What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball stuff, and we'll continue to do so throughout the offseason. Right now, I am currently working on my rankings for next season. There's going to be many different iterations of these rankings. Um, I mean, maybe not many, but probably three. Probably we're going to do one that'll be released around First Pitch Arizona. It'll be coming out probably in the next three weeks. It won't be everybody. I'm probably going to do like the top 50 or top 100 or something like that. Not sure exactly what it's going to be, but there'll be some rankings out for me on sportsethos.com later this month or next month for sure. I'm still figuring out how I want to do it, how I want to approach it. But we're going to start looking into that. Uh, and then later, probably in January, we'll update, and then we'll do another one before the season. But that's uh, all very exciting stuff that will be coming out over at Ethos Fantasy BB at sportsethos.com. We should also be checking out. We got a ton of premium content over there and even free content. You know, it's not just the paid stuff. We do have a ton of great, especially fantasy basketball stuff behind our paywall rankings, projections, and all the rest. Eight category, nine category player profiles, literally like every player profiled in the league pretty much. Like it's, it's There's some crazy stuff there, so please do go check out sportsethos.com. There's going to be a ton of content, always at Sports Ethos now. It used to be just a basketball site, but now we're doing everything. We are going to be year-round content, pumping out content. I am also doing some basketball content this year. I will be hosting a podcast. I might as well just tell you guys right now. I'm going to be doing a basketball podcast uh, once a week with Steve Vitovich, who was our director of content. He was my editor this past year. Uh, and we are going to be doing a weekly sit-start lineup show for Ethos Premium Subs over on our YouTube channel. So something to look forward to. Well, I'm looking forward to. I hope you guys will, too. Uh, at least check it out anyway next week. It will be every Monday, probably somewhere around 2 uh, Pacific, 5 Eastern. That might change a little bit depending on schedule. But that will generally be uh, what we're going to be doing with that one. Weekly sit-start questions that are answered, uh, answering questions from our forums, from our Discord, from Twitter, wherever else you guys will put the questions. So very exciting stuff. We got a ton going on at Sports Ethos, but let's jump into our fantasy baseball. I'm sorry to have kept you guys on the hook here for three minutes with no with no baseball, no fantasy talk. It's okay. We're gonna get into it here. We're gonna talk about first baseman, which we were doing yesterday. We went over, I believe, the top seven or eight first baseman in fantasy. I did some preamble talking about the playoffs uh, yesterday, recapping the matchup. So we didn't get quite as deep as I wanted to. I want to get through maybe a couple more names today. Maybe we'll get through ten or so guys today. Just talk about how they did last season. Generally, where they were being drafted across, I'm looking at Yahoo and the NFBC, because I think those are probably the two most popular sites, and they're the ones that, I mean, I play a lot of Yahoo. Next year, I'm hoping to play a lot more NFBC, and I think that's what the people want to see. I'm going to do some specific ESPN shows as well. Those will be a little bit later on uh, in the offseason, probably next month or so. We're going to start going through ESPN ranks and how their points work and who has the most value there, which is Shohei Otani, just for spoiler alert, but... We're going to keep going with our first baseman today. Now, we left off yesterday with Christian Walker. We're going to pick up here with C.J. Crone. And C.J. Crone actually had himself a pretty decent season, despite falling off down the stretch. Wasn't somebody who was talked about so much these last couple months of the year. And rightfully so. I mean, he wasn't that great. But his end-of-season line was about exactly what he gave you last year, minus a few batting average points and plus a few RBIs. He had 79 runs. 29 dingers, 102 ribbies, and he batted 257. Now, C.J. Crone, he was being drafted as the 130th pick over on Yahoo. And on the NFBC, and I just had it open, and now it's going to refresh on me, uh, C.J. Crone was the 124th pick. So in that same kind of range, 10th or 11th round, if you're talking 12-teamers, 
He provided pretty solid value, finishing 71st on the season, according to Yahoo. That's fine. Now, he had a lot more value in Roto, for sure. You didn't have to worry week to week when he was giving you that early season production, which was so great. That's just a part of the stat line, as opposed to restarting every single week, which is definitely probably my only gripe there with with head-to-head is that you get these great players who don't have such great week-to-week value. <clears throat> Maybe it's not you know the most accurate representation of you know the skill as a fantasy player. It's more of a representation of real-life baseball in terms of the luck there. But whatever format you were playing in, he still definitely was. You know, if you had him, he was your first baseman for the year. There was no drop in him. He still was over ninety percent by the end of it over on Yahoo. Despite, you know, the second half being really disappointing. If we go month by month, if we look at April, he had seven home runs and he batted 288. In May, he had six home runs, he batted 321. And then in June, he had four home runs and he batted 271. After that, it got kind of rough for CJ Crone down the stretch. In July, he had five home runs, but he batted 221. In August, he had two home runs and batted 248. And then September, October there, the last month of the season, he had five home runs, but he batted 185. It's not exactly what you want to see out of a guy at Coors Field. Uh, you'd like to see him, if he's not at least, you know, if he's not getting better, then he is at least maintaining what he's doing. Now, maybe it was a little unsustainable, uh, that early season stretch for C.J. Crone, And, you know, maybe he was never going to bat 320 with <laughs> – you know, 35, 40 home runs. The home runs were right in line with what you can expect from him pretty much, and the batting average was pretty much in line with his career numbers. Now, a lot of those years were not in Colorado. You'd hope for better numbers. Well, he's actually playing for the Rockies, sure. You'd hope for a 270, 280 kind of batting average like last year. But it's hard to look at it specifically from a Roto perspective as a disappointment, what C.J. Crone did specifically, because he outperformed the draft slot by about roughly 50, 55 draft slots, Batting average, not the greatest, but I think we'll give him a pass here. And I, I think next year I'll be fine to draft him. Probably it'll, I think it'll be roughly in that same kind of range. Uh, people will factor in the early season, but also look at the entirety. A lot of people will use second half stats and weight them more than just, I mean, the entire season because they want to see the trends, the way the guy was going throughout the months. It, it's understandable. Maybe he. I don't think he's going to go up. I think he's probably going to go right in that same general range. Uh, 110 to 130, I think, is going to make a lot of sense for C.J. Crone. And I, I think I would be totally fine in drafting him there. Let's move on to Jose Abreu. Now, Jose Abreu had a really weird season from his standards. I mean, he had 600 at-bats. He got the full year in. Uh, but 15 home runs is kind of weird for Jose Abreu. He's been a guy who's been a 30 home run uh, hitter like every single year pretty much. 75 RBIs, he's been a guy who leads the league in RBIs pretty regularly, Jose Abreu. Uh, I believe he did last year, and every year he's been like a 100-ish kind of RBI guy to go to 75. Now, that says more about the team than it does about him. Still not great. The one really good thing uh, with Abreu this year was his batting average. He batted, what was it, finished with 304 after batting 261 last season. Very good. I mean, his batting average when he first came to the States – was really solid, 317, 290, 293, 304, uh, and then 265, 284, 317. It's good that he got it back up. Now, in terms of the power, maybe it's just gone. There's a chance that that power is not coming back at age 35. I wouldn't bet on it coming back for sure. Uh, his birthday is in January. He's going to be 36. So before he steps on the field again, it's another – I mean, it's not like he's actually – 
it's only a few months, but he'll have another tick on the age chart there, and that never bodes well. Uh, 34 to 35, 35 to 36. You can just expect him to get a little bit, a little bit slower. Uh, and we saw that this year. 15 home runs for him. That's really, really disappointing. It's by far the lowest he's ever had. The lowest he ever had before was 19 in the major leagues, and that was in a 60-game season. He played 157 this year. So with Jose Abreu, that's that's the main concern here. Now, the White Sox should bounce back a little bit next year, I think. They were brutal this year. I mean, I think they were about 500, but it was, compared to what they were expecting, really not good. They should bounce back a little bit. Maybe those RBI numbers will jump back up the board. Uh, runs were about the same as they always were. Um, I think it's more so about him slowing down that worries me as opposed to guys like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez picking it back up. I think they will. I mean, Robert, it's more a matter of how, well, both of them, really, it's a matter of staying healthy. Uh, I, I just think with Ramirez, or with Ramirez, with Abreu, we can expect there to be some kind of fall off every year now, even if it's a little bit more. Maybe he gets back up to 20 home runs next season, but maybe the average doesn't sustain. There will be things that just continue to fall off of his game and his fantasy game. And he'll be kind of a risky pick, I think, next season. He was the 78th pick on the NFBC, and over on Yahoo, he was going at 61. Uh, I can't see him going in that range again this year. There's just too many great players, especially at first base, for you to reach with your, you know, say it's a 15-teamer at 61. Let's say it goes to 60, and that's the fourth, end of the fourth round. There's no chance you can take Jose Abreu going into his age 36 season at that number. If he's, talk, if he's going around pick 100, then I, I would like it there. I like him there. I think that's where the value would lie. If he's going at 70, I don't know, 70 to 60 kind of range, like he was the 80th overall player this season. I think if he's going in that range, then there's no discount anymore. There's not really any value uh, making a pick in that range of Jose Abreu. So I, I still like him. I, I've had him on a couple teams last year. I had him on one team this year. And he produced, but he didn't produce really as much as I could have hoped for. And we'll blame it partly on the White Sox and partly on him. But for whatever reason uh, you want to put it on, I, I'm not going to be so big on Jose Abreu heading into next year assuming his price stays roughly the same. And I think it'll probably fall a little bit on Yahoo and on the NFBC. I think they've probably got it pretty close here. Maybe they'll fall off a little bit more and he'll go with 90 or 100. In that case, I'd be a lot more interested at pick 90 or 100. Uh, but as where we stand right now, I'm, I'm not going to be drafting a Bray 80, 70, 60. And there, I don't think it makes any sense. Let's move on to Reese Hoskins now. He had a pretty interesting season. Uh, one thing that really stands out for me is that his numbers are pretty damn close to what they were last year. They're almost exactly what they were, but he played 50 more games or 49 more games this season. So in 49 more games, he only got three more home runs, eight more RBIs. Uh, batting average was one point higher last season. It was the same kind of thing. You'd figure more games in a lineup that had more talent this year that he would have done a little bit better. Now, it's hard to say you're going to be disappointed with 30 homers, 79 RBIs, and a 246 average. It's totally cool. He was the 102nd ranked player. Now, Reese Hoskins this year where he was being drafted, it was 123 over on the NFBC. And over on Yahoo, he was going off the board. Where is he? 133. Kind of that same range where we saw C.J. Crone going. I think it probably makes sense for them to go in the same, a very similar kind of range next year. Those two guys, very similar fantasy game, decent power. The average should be higher for Crone, especially in Colorado. Uh, but, I mean, Hoskins has a better team around him, so you're going to probably see some more counting stats there. Uh, it, it's pretty close. It, it's hard to really pick between one or the other. This season, Crone had a slightly better year uh, fantasy-wise, but it was only because of the RBIs, really. 
it's hard to really say year to year RBIs how they're going to do. We just saw with Abreu how much they went down. Uh, CJ Crone went up ten RBIs. Uh, it, there's it, there's a lot of variance in there, so it's hard to say yes. The guy playing for the better team will have more RBIs, or the guy playing at Coors will have more RBIs. It's it's very hard to predict. But that's the, these guys are in the same kind of range for me: Reese Hoskins and CJ Crone. I think in this same kind of range next season, 110, 120, 130, around around those parts. I think that's where they'll be drafted. That's where they were going this year. Nothing really crazy to suggest. There's going to be a massive jump one way or the other in ADP. <clears throat> now, I I like I said, I thought Hoskins would probably have some better numbers considering he was playing so many more games than last year. Uh, you had Schwarber there. Castellanos was not really anything special, but, you know, you figured it would have been a little bit better. It's kind of what he's done his whole career, 30 home runs, 80 to 90 kind of RBIs, and he's going to bat about 240. So uh, this is this is Reese Hoskins. We know who he is. He's just first base eligible, just like Crone. Same tier. Wherever those guys end up being ranked, they'll be ranked pretty close, might even be right beside each other. Let's keep it going now with Luis Arise, our batting champion in the American League. The dude was really good. Uh, no no two ways to put it. The dude was really good. Now, he wasn't the flashiest fantasy player. He was just very valuable because, A, I mean, that batting average is great, 316. That does not grow on trees. But he's eligible first, second, third, and in the outfield. With that kind of eligibility, even if he was a little bit worse than he is, I'd still consider him. But the fact that he was the batting champion, he had 88 runs, uh, eight homers, 49 ribbies, four steals, and it was 316 is what he ended the year at. I I love him. I, I love Luis Arise. I've talked about him on the show before, uh, usually comparing him with um, with Stephen Kwan. I think they do a lot similar in terms of their fantasy output, and we, we, we've compared them a lot this year. I really like both of them. Luis Arise was the 336th pick on the NFBC this year. And the 230th pick on Yahoo. So really wherever you drafted him, whatever site you played on, if you did take a Luis Arise or maybe picked him up early in the year, depending on how deep the league is, you were very happy with him returning 107th overall value. Uh, he's looking, you know, depending on how you want to classify first baseman, he's a top 10 first baseman in fantasy. I mean, it's depending on how, because, you know, there's guys like Austin Riley who are eligible there, Schwarber, Real Muto. Uh, you know, Brandon Drury, it's kind of gray, but he's like roughly a top 10 first baseman this season. The dude was excellent, and I would expect his draft price to reflect that next year. He won't be going in the twos or 300s. I think he'll be somewhere in the 150 to 175 range because he doesn't do a lot for you outside of batting average. I mean, his runs were very good. A guy who's leading off usually, you know, one, two, or three in a batting order, especially a decent lineup like the Twins. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. Uh, and their offense was pretty solid. 88 runs, you'll take that. Eight home runs, it's whatever. It's not great. It's not terrible. You'd hope for him to push up a little more. Uh, those four steals is where you'd like to see a little more value out of him next year. Maybe it's not in him, but you'd hope to see him maybe push to six or seven, you know, get the home runs to 10 and maintain that batting average. You're looking at a top 80 player. I don't think he'll be drafted there. I don't think he should be drafted there because there is still some risk here. You could draft him and he has, a, you know, like, he could do exactly what he did last season, which was not a bad year either, but it was two home runs, two steals, and a 294 average, which is still nice, but it's not, you know, it's 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 deeper league kind of stuff. If you're talking 10 or 12 teamers, it's not going to cut it. You need more out of your counting stats than two home runs and two steals. The, the average is great. Uh, points league, maybe, you'd, you know, you'd be interested a little bit higher up, but in terms of standard roto or category uh, head-to-head leagues, 
I don't see him having value that's going to be, or I don't see him being worth a pick inside the top 150 next season. I think that'll be where I start to be a little bit cautious if we're talking, you know, 10th round-ish in a 15-teamer. I'm going to be a, a little bit cautious, or even in a 12-teamer. You know, you're talking your 12th round pick. Maybe he's fine in that range, but I, I just worry that, you know, he loses a couple of home runs, he loses 10 batting average points, and that value is is all but gone for, for Luis Arise. So he's definitely a riskier one. He's not somebody I would say draft in all formats or anything. If the price is right, maybe he dips around close to 200 again. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I'd personally probably have him 150, 175 in that range, and then I think you're probably okay, if you, especially the later end of that time frame. 170 is where I would say right now uh, I'd project him to go next year, and I would probably take him there. Maybe he'll go a little higher. If he goes a little higher, it might price me out, but I, I, I like him okay, I guess is the best way I could conclude that. Let's move on to Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo really is how the Italian people would pronounce it. I have Rizzo on my own family. There's Rizzos. Uh, but Rizzo is the Americanized version that we go by, that Anthony goes by. Uh, so this season, he was good. I mean, he didn't have the greatest batting average at 224, but he hit 32 homers. He drove in 75. He scored 77 runs. He stole six bases. Totally fine. Now, the Yankees, were their lineup was not great. I mean, it was it was couple of decent pieces there alongside of Judge, but I think we overvalued them as a whole offensively because of what Aaron Judge was doing. Anthony Rizzo was really good, but he wasn't great. You know, those home runs were were nice. 77 runs, 75 RBIs, uh, pretty good numbers, but I mean, I'm not a huge Anthony Rizzo fan, uh, especially for fantasy. I think he's okay, but from where he was being drafted last year, 149, and, and he outperformed his ADP. 149 on Yahoo!, 180 on the NFBC. I just don't know year after year if I'm if he's going to be a guy that I really want to draft, especially let's just say Aaron Judge leaves the Yankees in the offseason, and, I mean, they'll probably replace him with another expensive piece. I'm going to be staying away from a lot of Yankees if that is the case. You know, guys like LeMahieu, um, Josh Donaldson is probably going to be a very iffy draft pick. Kiner Falefa I kind of like, but as a deeper late, late steals kind of guy. The offensive value for these guys for runs and for RBIs is going to go down without Aaron Judge. Assuming that he leaves, I don't know that he's going to leave for sure. Uh, if he did, then that would make me lower Anthony Rizzo. If he stayed the same, then sure, Rizzo's fine in this, you know, 120, 130 kind of range. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm not a huge fan of taking him here. I think you can wait a little bit longer on first baseman, or you can go for one of the elite guys. Rizzo's cool, but he's not, you know, he's not going to blow, blow the doors off for me. I think he's fine, but don't go reaching for him next year because, you know, he could maybe, you know, hit 40 home runs and 85 RBIs. Like, I wouldn't be expecting any more than this. It's probably about as good as we're going to ever see Rizzo in terms of the counting stats. So just keep that in mind as we head into next season. Let's talk about Rowdy Telez. There's a couple of guys we're going to skip over here. I'll skip over Cronenworth, we'll skip over Bohm, and we'll skip over Ty France, and we'll put them in their more rightful position shows. Let's talk about Rowdy Telez as much as this one is going to hurt me here because I'm a Blue Jays guy. You guys know this. We talked all year about how we needed a left-handed bat. You know, we need a lefty. We need a lefty, blah, 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 blah. We had a lefty, and he was really good, and his name was Rowdy Telez, and he hit 35 home runs this season. So take that, Blue Jays. That's what we get. We trade him for Trevor Rogers. Uh, maybe we needed the bullpen help last year. Sure, Trevor Rogers was good last year. This year was a disaster, so... Milwaukee, you guys fleeced us. Congratulations, Rowdy. I'm glad you got to have some proper playing time here. 
67 runs, 35 homers, 89 ribbies, and two steals. Now, the 219 batting average, not very good. But 35 homers, 89 RBIs, especially from where he was being drafted. Uh, 348 over on the NFBC. And if we go over to Yahoo, it was 207. I'm surprised it was actually that high over on Yahoo. Uh, a little bit strange that he was going that high. I think he'll probably push up, I mean, NFBC for sure, but even into Yahoo. Probably into that same kind of range as Rizzo. I think he's going to go 130, 140-ish. That's, that's kind of, there's a cluster of first basemen who are probably going to be in that kind of range for me. Uh, you know, we already talked about Hoskins and Crohn. I think Rizzo and Telez are probably going to go roughly in that same spot. The guys who are your 30 home run, 80, 90 kind of RBI, with not a great batting average generally. Crone probably being the highest batting average among the bunch there. Uh, they're, they're all fairly similar kind of players, at least this year and going into next year. There's no reason for me to project much differently for any of them. I mean... Like I said, if Rizzo or if uh, Judge leaves the Yankees, then it hurts everybody, especially, maybe not especially, but, you know, Rizzo was one of the top guys who would be affected there, batting right behind him in the lineup. He's typically second with Judge being first. That would obviously have an impact. Most of these guys, I think they'll probably do something similar next year. 25, 30 home runs, 75, 80 RBIs with a between the 230 and 250 batting average. They're all going to be grouped into that 12th round, give or take, I think, if you're talking like standard 12-teamers, I think 12th round, maybe a touch higher. Maybe we see them go in the 10th round. I think they're all going to be generally there, and I think it, it makes sense. They're all very similar kind of players. Brady Telez, man, I'll probably never get over him leaving the Jays because, first of all, who's named Rowdy? Who goes by Rowdy? That's just a perfect name. It's a great name. He's a big fella. So, I mean, baseball, we love our big fellas. I love my big fellas. Maybe, you know, some people... Uh, that that idiot journalist who is trying to you know shit talk Alejandro Kirk because he's bad for the game and he's a little chubby and you know the way he runs it's embarrassing or whatever You're like ah screw off you know these guys are bigger sure but when you can do what Kirk does which is you know provide great value behind the plate and offensively or Rowdy Telez which is hit thirty five home runs like. I'd like to see these guys who would like to shit talk these players go out there and try to hit a baseball coming 100 miles an hour, let alone hit it 400 plus feet and leaving the bat at like 110 miles an hour too. Like, you know, just, just get out of here, get lost. The big fellas are a hell of a lot of fun to watch and cheer for. Rowdy Telez is certainly in that group there. Let's talk about Josh Bell. We'll talk about him next here. Now, the first couple months of the season, I think really specifically the first month, Josh Bell was like on fire. He was batting like 350. He was hitting bombs, driving in guys. And I was saying, I said it on Twitter multiple times at the beginning of the year, like sell high on Josh Bell, sell high on Josh Bell, sell high on Josh Bell. And it never seemed to fall off. He seemed to keep up that same kind of level of production for, it felt like forever, but I think it was probably about, you know, eight to 10 weeks, probably somewhere in the middle of June, I think, um, yeah, yeah, it went on a while when he really started to fall off. And I think really once he got traded, and that's when the things kind of went bad for him. Uh, but he still finished the year with 78 runs, 17 homers, 71 RBIs, and a two sixty one batting average. Now, that's, <clears throat> that's totally fine. Finishing up where he did, which was 150th ranked, uh, he went 129 on the NFBC, and on Yahoo, it was 137. So he was going in that range where I'm talking about for, you know, where I'm looking at these guys next year, like Crone and Hoskins. 
I wouldn't be taking Josh Bell in that same kind of range. First of all, I'm not really sure about playing time for him. Uh, what's going to happen with San Diego? They're going to be getting Tatis back. I'm really not sure, even like contract-wise, what's going to happen with Josh Bell. And why don't I just, while I got you guys here, let's take a look at the contract. Let's see what he's got. Um, da, 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 Josh Bell, contract details. Maybe he's a free agent. Yeah, he's going to be a free agent, so maybe he leaves San Diego. Maybe he goes somewhere else. I don't think that that's really going to change that much for me here. I, I like that he's first base and outfield eligible. That's nice. But I I don't know. I just worry that we're going to be drafting him, hoping that he can replicate what he did last year, which was 27 home runs, what he did earlier this year. And he, I think he's a fine guy if you're going to draft late first baseman. Like I think if you're going to be taking a guy – in that range we said earlier, 120, 130, 140, there's no way that guy for me is going to be Josh Bell. I'm going to go with one of the guys we mentioned earlier. I feel a lot a lot happier taking even an Anthony Rizzo, who I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of. I think Josh Bell, the power is kind of fleeting. It can, it can be there, but 17 home runs, like, it's not really great, especially the way that he started off the season. And where he goes will obviously have a huge impact on that. If he goes to, I don't know, Let's say he goes to an elite. Let's say he goes to Houston and gets an everyday role in Houston or something like that. That would be great. But if he goes to, I don't know, a poverty team and takes some good money, like hypothetically, let's say he went back to Pittsburgh or something like that. He's not going to do that. But hypothetically, uh, I'm not going to be very interested for fantasy purposes. Like, can he do what he did in 2019 again? Like 37 homers, drive in more than 100, and bat close to 280. I don't think he can like I think that probably the best case we're going to see out of Josh Bell at this point is maybe 20 home runs maybe 80 85 RBIs depending on the destination and a batting average that's in the 260 range I think that that's totally serviceable it's totally fine but I wouldn't be drafting him that high up next year I think I think in that 200-ish range is probably going to be where I'm where I'm liking him and you know, I'm not going to be targeting him unless there's a specific, you know, he goes to a team. We know he has a good role. We know he's going to be in the middle of the lineup. Then maybe I would target him a little more. But as of right now, I'm not really that interested in taking Josh Bell on any fantasy team. Let's move on now. We'll talk about Josh Naylor, who is one of personally one of my favorite players in baseball. What he did this year was really excellent. I mean, 47 runs is kind of low. It's kind of like shockingly low. Uh, but, you know, that's the only really bad part of his game this year. 20 home runs, 79 RBIs, 6 steals from the big fella, and a two fifty six batting average. I mean, I don't think he's going to have – I don't even think I need to check over on Yahoo in terms of NF, or in terms of uh, where he's being drafted because it's just not very likely to me that he was going anywhere. Uh, in terms of the NFBC, it was 662. So, yeah, I'm not even going to bother checking Yahoo – the dude was not being drafted, and, you know, it makes sense that he wasn't being drafted. But he was the 71st first baseman going off the board on the NFBC. And now he's returned, I mean, depending on how you want to look at first base value with multiple position eligibility, like a top 15-ish first base season. Just, just incredible stuff out of Josh Naylor. First and outfield eligible. I like that. What I really liked about him this year is that he was always seemed to be available. In all of my leagues, no one really gave a shit about Josh Naylor. It would get down to... Or not even get down to. I would just have an injury, and I'd need to change out a player. I'd need to look on the waiver wire, depending on whatever league it is, and I'd be like, who's available? And it's like, oh, Josh Naylor's available. How the hell is Josh Naylor still available? Like, he was giving you good power. 
decent speed from a guy his size. And I mean, you weren't expecting any steals. 256, this day and age, might as well be 300. And, you know, 79 RBIs are very good. Next year, should he take another step forward? I think so. Like, he was a pretty highly touted prospect. He kind of bounced around for a couple of years. Now he seems to be up in the bigs. He's playing with his brother, which is really cool. We'll see where his brother goes next year, too, the catcher, Bo Naylor. And I just think that he'll take another step forward. I, I really think that Josh Naylor is going to be one of my bigger targets next season. The Guardians, I mean, Jesus, they're like the 28th or 29th payroll in baseball. And they're in the postseason. They've moved on in the postseason. God bless them. And guys like Josh Naylor, big reasons why they were able to have successful seasons. I mean, Stephen Kwan, another guy, uh, just guys who were, don't cost a lot. They come out, you didn't ex- have high expectations for them, and they were just fantastic. Where will he be drafted next year? Very low. I would say like post pick 200 in a lot of cases. Uh, he might be like your last pick in a Yahoo draft. He was the 191st ranked player this year. And, you know, in terms of Yahoo drafts, they don't go that deep. They go, you know, 200-ish kind of picks. Like, I honestly can't even remember now. Let me just see. Like a standard 12-team Yahoo draft. You draft, let me just see here. Um, like 270 players are drafted roughly in a 12-teamer. He's probably going to be one of your last four, three or four picks, I would say, probably. People aren't really going to be looking at him as a sexy pickup. You know, those runs are going to drive people away. I know they are. Even though there's nothing he can do about it, uh, only scoring 47 runs, it sucks. But, you know, it's it's completely out of his control how many runs he's going to score uh, outside of the home runs. Like, 20 home runs, 47 runs scored. I it's, I just... It's it's a really, really baffling number, and I'll, I'll look into that one a little bit more and just see, like, you know, maybe he was stranded a lot or something. I don't know, because that one is baffling. But I feel like that, combined with the fact that he plays for Cleveland, not a sexy team, I think he's going to be drafted probably, you know, it's still so early. But I think 200 probably is roughly where we're going to see him, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a little bit lower. But I would think I would take him even a little bit higher than that, like, you know, 150, 170 kind of range. If it's him or Luis Arise sitting there, I mean, it depends on your team build. But I think in a vacuum, I think I prefer what Josh Naylor does. He provides value across more categories than what Arise does. Maybe Arise goes back to 290 next year. Maybe Naylor goes up to 265, 270. And then, you know, 20 batting average points doesn't really matter if the guy has, you know, the other guy's 20 more home runs and more steals. Like, it's just, I think he's going to be really undervalued. And I think I would. You know, I, I know that I would remember Josh Naylor. If you're coming up later in your drafts, you need to hit first base. Maybe you need to hit outfield. Maybe you just need some guy who can play both. Josh Naylor can do both of those things with some power, a little bit of speed. I, I think you're going to be cooking with gas if you take him late in your draft. Let's do one more first baseman today. And this one we won't need to look, ho- uh, look forward to next year, unfortunately. And that's because we're going to be talking about Albert Pujols. The guy was incredible this season. The 228th ranked player. Now, he'll be a fun one to see if there's even ADP data. I have to scroll down, like, pretty far. Uh, 725. He was the 725th pick over on the NFBC. The 83rd first baseman. Oh, God. And he provided great value. Like, he was great. 24 homers, 68 RBIs. He had a steal, 270 batting average. The runs were not great. 42 runs. A lot of the time he'd get on, he was pinch hit or pinch run for late in the game kind of thing. So you weren't going to see a lot of runs, but... The dude was spectacular. Like, he really was just, I mean, it was as good of a send-off as you could possibly have gotten for him. Well, I mean, maybe not that playoff series. That was probably not how he wanted to go out in terms of, you know, his postseason career. But 
a couple of World Series, multiple MVPs. He should have more MVPs if it wasn't for Bonds. The dude, like, it's just the cherry on top of such an incredible career. I said it on Twitter, but I think they should waive the waiting period for the Hall of Fame and just put Albert Pujols into the Hall of Fame. Like, as soon as the season is done, he should be inducted with this class. I think, I mean, they've done it in pro sports before for certain players. It happened with Wayne Gretzky. Uh, it happened with Mario Lemieux. Oh, uh, God, I'm going to – a couple of hockey guys come to mind first off, but there's got to be a couple of football guys. Can't remember now. There's definitely more examples that I'm blanking on, but guys retiring, you know, I don't think that a guy like Pujol should have to go through the five-year waiting period. I mean, uh, the argument will be on the other side as well. Rivera and everybody else had to wait their five years. I think there are certain players that should just not have to do that. When Tom Brady retires, I think he'll probably be inducted right into the Hall of Fame. I think it makes sense. There are certain players – that are on a different level in terms of sports, in terms of their achievements, and especially a guy like Pujols who has not only the career accolades and records, but also the team success of a couple of World Series. It'll always be a little bit of a stain on his legacy that he went to the Angels and was never as good. It'll always hurt. Maybe it'll stain the Cardinals' legacy more for not, you know, just actually paying up for him, but uh, it's definitely, you know, not the... That wasn't really a storybook uh, scenario there, him leaving and coming back, and, you know, it was... That part was not great, but in terms of his whole career, one of the most impressive batters, one of the most impressive players and people that's been around baseball in, in its history. So shout out to Albert Pujols. You won some people fantasy championships here at age 42. So, you know, you got to pat him on the back, wish him a great retirement. And, you know, for me, I'm really hoping that we do see him enter the Hall of Fame before five years from now. I don't think that's right. I think that we'll probably see some kind of even maybe he's not inducted, but they do some kind of like tribute or something. I don't know what they'll do exactly. But I think that we should heap as much praise onto Pujols as possible for this kind of season. Somebody who was a waiver wire pickup, and he had 24 home runs and drove in 68 in only 307 at-bats. On a per-game basis, you'd think he would be higher, but he was ranked 170th for the season. You'd, th- you'd think it would be like top 10, top 15, the way he was going there at the end of the stretch. But especially that last month, he was fantastic. Fantastic career. And first base is really a fantastic position. We're going to go through one more day of first base, I think, here. There's still some guys that I'd like to get to as we go further down the list. I think we just need one more day because there's a lot of these guys who are multiple positions eligible. Uh, tripping over myself there. And, you know, I don't know that we need to touch on certain guys who, you know, certain guys we've touched on before, certain guys we don't really need to touch on. Like Eric Hosmer. I don't think I really need to do so much about Eric Hosmer. Maybe we'll mention him briefly, but... There's not really a hell of a lot to do there. Certain other guys we'll, we'll spend some more time on over this next day. Uh, Vinny Pasquantino is definitely somebody I want to spend some time on. So there's still some names to get to, but I think we've covered most of first base. In general, first base is deeper than most positions, but it's not really that different. Uh, you can get your guys first, second round if you want. You know, you can go for those big stars. You can go for your Vladdies. You can maybe go for a Pete Alonzo or a Freddie Freeman. Or you could wait and you can get it done later in your draft and pick up guys like, you know, maybe it's going to be a Josh Naylor. Maybe it's going to be someone who's first base eligible, doesn't really play that much first base. Maybe, you know, there's some other guys we haven't talked about as well who are eligible at first. Maybe you just stick them in there. You don't actually need to have someone who plays first uh, be in there. I mean, I had Isaiah Kiner-Falefa as my catcher all year last year. He didn't catch once. Maybe you just stick in somebody who gets that eligibility or you know, not gets it, but who has it, and it's not really something that you'd think of off the top. You know, maybe it's a Brendan Donovan you stick at first base or somebody like that. There's a lot of different options, especially later in the draft. My general advice would be to wait on first base. There are just so many options here. 
we're looking at 40, 50, 60 deep. I mean, it's really maybe even deeper than that if I really was going to sit there and count all the guys who could have fantasy value. Probably 50 is the bare minimum, and then you could just keep going from there at first base. Where with catcher, you're looking at, you know, 10 or 12 guys. So I think it makes sense to wait on first base. Like, I think it does a lot of positions. Uh, for me, I'm more of a like hammer pitching and, you know, a couple of categories early, steals and home runs if you can. But I'm going to be waiting on first base next year in a lot of my drafts. Maybe we get one share of Vlad. Maybe we get one Freeman. But uh, I think everybody does their own thing. Everybody's got their own ways. You don't need to go and get a first baseman in the top 50 or 60 to be competitive. You, you just don't. We saw it this year. There were a lot of guys who were either picked up uh, somewhere in midseason or they were drafted later on, and they were fantastic. So I'll leave you guys with that. We'll talk uh, tomorrow. We'll go through the rest of the first baseman here. And that, that won't be it for our first baseman this offseason. We'll still do something else. I mean, we'll do ESPN. I'm not sure how I'm going to break that down, whether it be by position or, you know, by I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do it. But this will not be the last time you hear about Vladdy and Pete Alonso and Goldschmidt and those guys on the show. We're going to definitely go more in depth. This is kind of our first breeze through of first base. I want to get more into the advanced stats. We're going to bring some people on throughout the offseason who are just a lot better at evaluating hitters than I am, see what they saw this year, see what they're thinking for next season. We'll do it with pitchers as well. I just want to do a first, you know, the first glance, the first, I mean, everything's still fresh right now, right? All the opinions we have will likely change or be shifted a little bit over these next few months. But I think we start forming them. We start talking about them now. And it helps us to really figure out next season when we're sitting in our draft rooms or maybe the night before planning it out. We think, you know, I heard a lot of people say player A was going to be good or I heard a lot of people say player B was going to be faded. So you start getting those thoughts in your head. You start to build up your little your little reserve of knowledge for 2023 baseball. And, you know, I hope we don't set you back too far here. I'm hoping that uh, we're going to be fairly correct in our picks. You never get 100% of the things right, but we hope to steer you guys in the general right direction here on Fantasy MLB Today. Please do subscribe to the podcast wherever you're still listening. I appreciate you still listening, by the way, because there's no baseball. I know it can be kind of hard to consume baseball content, but for those of you still listening, you are the good ones. Please do hit the subscribe button, whether it be on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get this show. I really appreciate that. And maybe if you want to hit the review button, leave some kind of comments, review, uh, you know, five-star rating would be great. If you guys would do that, I'd really appreciate it. Go follow us on Twitter at ethos fantasy BB. I want to hit you with that one constantly because that's the account I'm trying to grow. Hit me up at Joe Rico 99 as well, but ethos fantasy BB, every follower over there, like it's like 10 followers on my own account. I feel very, I have a sense of pride towards building up that one so please do take the couple seconds great content at ethos fantasy bb at joe orico 99 we'll get back to you tomorrow here uh probably a little bit earlier in the day uh talking about the remaining first baseman that we want to go over for the 2022 season so guys take care enjoy the playoffs and we'll see you tomorrow cheers Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.